watching that short, the short where your wife is describing her school scenario, the, the professor asked the class a question around, you know, do you think men or women are smarter? And all the women thought, no, no, women are smarter than men. And only one, one thought that, that men are smarter. But my wife said something interesting related to that. She's like, I still don't necessarily think that uh, men are smarter than women. I just oh. think you are. <laughs> she was like, I, th- I just think, I actually think that that is how most women think. Even the ones who are more traditional will still, because not all men are smart. They have the capacity to be smart. But uh, no, I think a lot of women, well, first of all, uh, I don't think my wife feels this way. <laughs> yeah. Because I've explained this to her because she might have been under that delusion that your husband is smart, but everyone else is. But, you know, that the difference is that uh, women think... Not women, everyone else. Yeah. Uh, her point is, like, there's a subset of men that she views as smart as well. But it's, like, usually based on something that they've proven. I think uh, I think women confuse uh, intelligence with uh, what they're attracted to. So these are synonyms for them. Intelligence to them is attraction. They can't separate the two because... The only way a woman interfaces with men is through the attraction paradigm. So and men, how does that relate to her saying her dad is also smart or her brother is also smart? Well, that's non-marriageable people. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. So outside of those individuals, the, the reason she says most of them are not intelligent is because she's not married to most of them. So she has to feel yeah, exactly. secure in her decision. And if she starts uh, thinking that you're less intelligent or equally intelligent... As everyone else. Then so. she'll be thinking that she made... <laughs> not the best choice or subpar choice. So it's the, the loop. circular logic. Yeah. Know. And that's fine because it's a sanity maintenance thing. Yeah. But for men, uh, we don't have that. First of all, we might, uh, men might do a different kind of circular logic in which they'll think their wife is more beautiful than she actually is. A delusion of appearance as opposed mm-hmm. to a delusion of competence. So women will delude themselves into thinking their husband is more competent than others, if he is slightly at least. Or if she doesn't have an option to leave that relationship, then she will... Inflated competence is a result of women being unable to find a better partner and inflated appearance is a result of men being unable to find another partner or an, al- or an alternative for sexual release, which is why a lot of men will tolerate wives that are overweight. Yeah, they won't just tolerate that. They'll hide their preferences and they'll also proudly, openly exclaim to their wife, that she is really beautiful and then she'll get mixed messages or just the wrong message and she'll continue persisting in behaviors that destroy her appearance. Yeah, and they'll also accept her personality. They'll inflate her character too. So yeah, I guess these are specific things about men and Mm. women and how they modify reality so they can uh, sleep better. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. But it doesn't change the fact that most women will still think this way. Yeah. yeah. But you can you can convince them out of this belief if you explain what I just did. Yeah. It, it, it won't be... It's, it's kind of to your detriment to do that. But it isn't because it makes you more intelligent because you just yeah, explain the... Yeah, so it's like you, you can't lose. You can't lose can't, with this approach. Lose, yeah. So when she gets it, she'll be like, oh, damn. But if she didn't get it, <laughs> in both positions you're you're still more intelligent than the masses whatever the outcome yeah and that's the way you want to play it i was talking to my wife about the the joker in 
one of the Batman movies. What's the one? What's the one when he uh, sets up that two boat scenario? Yeah, that's the Dark Knight. Yeah. The Dark Knight, the second one. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to explain to my wife how the Joker sets up a scenario in which all outcomes lead to his victory. So the point of that was for him, he had three issues. Well, he had one issue. Predominantly, he disliked the fact that there was virtue signaling and all this going on and people aren't genuinely interested in being good. Being good. So one outcome for him would have been if the the people blow up the, the criminal boat. Mm. And that would be a win scenario for him in the sense that, oh, I guess proves, people are like, yeah. it proves like that, yeah. And then the other scenario is when the criminals blow up that, that's also a win scenario because it proves that it proves that they're willing to kill them. Now, in the scenario where they both blow each other up, that is like a, a double cynicism proof for him. And in the scenario where no one blows each other up, that's what he wanted. That's his most desired scenario. Because what he's doing is he's trying to, in his crazy, twisted manner, he's trying to improve society just like Batman is. He just has a different moral code. And that's what Batman doesn't get. So when Batman villainizes him, the Joker just laughs. Yeah, that's all he can do. Yeah, because, because yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Yeah, so he has his own... But yeah, that's scenario. That's what I was talking about, the win-win-win scenario in which all outcomes... That's why with the Joker, he never loses in the sense that if Batman fights him and doesn't kill him, he's still alive. But if Batman kills him, he violated his own rules. So both scenarios lead to his victory, like a psychological victory, not necessarily... Yeah. Yeah. Principle victory. Yeah, victory in principle. Yeah. How does that apply in marriage? How do you set up a win-win-win situation? Well, that's a... It requires a situation to... It requires an advanced study. Advanced. Oh, okay. PhD. No, it's a, the Betamax course. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not evolutionary biology? How long is, is the course? Like a four-week program, probably? It's about eight eight modules I have so far. It's a 16-week program. That's too long. With a four-week peaking period at the end. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Meat prep. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Meat prep? Oh, meat prep, yeah. Very good, very good. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, so uh, one thing I noticed was in our posts, and I was telling my wife about this too, the most views come from, unfortunately, the ones the ones where either women or men are directly being bashed. And it shows you that most guys are beta because they enjoy, they enjoy women being bashed. And then the woman, well, the woman will obviously get triggered by the, the misogynistic posts as yeah. well. So it's kind of unfortunate because one of the view, one of the ones that got upvoted in the group was the divorce one where you're the failed advisors, right? Wait, the one where you're critiquing the woman who's been divorced twice to not advise. Yeah. So the problem with this approach is that the kind of guy who will feel satisfaction, yeah, look at this dumb woman who doesn't even know, that kind of guy is a beta. Because what you should feel from a masculine point of view is you should feel sadness for that woman who's been divorced twice and who doesn't understand this. So until you can reframe that, and this is why most guys fail in their marriage, is because they come at it from a genuinely not nice position. They are nice guys in the sense that they're beta, but there's nothing nice about them. And this is the crux of it. That's the crux of it. This yeah. is the crux of it. And That's most actually, guys fail catastrophically at this. Yeah, this is actually kind of what I was uh, kind of getting to in my previous discussion with my wife is like this whole, it's like my belief is like simultaneously misogynistic and- uh, Man-hating you mean? No. Misogynistic and misandrist? Yeah, at the same time. It's like- we bash society. Yeah. No, I believe like men can deal with any, like the whole, no, it's around the whole compatibility discussion where nice guys will need women to check so many boxes for them. Whereas what they're implying is that 
most of the women are actually not good. By requiring all these boxes to be checked, they're implying exactly. that these w- other women cannot check these boxes for them. But the women feel validated by that because they think, oh, he's making me, f- I'm special to him. Both views are stupid. You know, yeah. women shouldn't feel special. You're not special. And men shouldn't be trying to specially selective. Spe- yeah, be yeah. specially selective. No, that's yeah. what I liked about that episode where you talked about that. And I titled that short, Indiscriminate Love, yeah. which is basically you should love womankind. Exactly. Because right? women... And yeah, all yeah. women are like, they're just different flavors and they're all good flavors. Yeah. And you have to like... Go at them just completely blind and enjoy them in their entirety. That's exactly my approach. And and this is something that I think is alien. One thing that I notice when talking to a lot of guys is this earlier point that we made that kind of, even when we talk about something and we frame it in a certain way, they take it the wrong way. Yeah, They make it more misogynistic than we intended. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, my position is very quote unquote beta, blue pill. Like I'm saying, oh, all women are amazing or like not amazing, but like all women are worth marrying or something. Yeah. It's like we yeah. generalize, but in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Our position is is definitely... I mean, obviously there's, you know, you wouldn't marry like a prostitute or something. Yeah, but there's, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that either. Yeah, no, I mean like... Like you'd feel sad for her and then you try to like get her out of it. Yeah, no, it's more like you'd have to... Like if I had a lot of It wives, would be a lot of work. Is yeah, it would I'm be saying. a concubine. Would it be, yeah, it's like, is it worth the effort? Yeah. That is a point where you have to, you know, you do have to draw a line at some point. Yeah, but I yeah. wouldn't vilify her. Yeah, of course. And make it seem like she's not worth... Yeah, I mean, at the end they of the day, de- they tend to dehumanize the woman that they don't want to marry. Yeah, we don't we don't dehumanize the woman we don't want to marry. At the end of the day, all women that end up in these kind of scenarios are due to the men around them, right? Yeah, or lack of men, you know, societal things that you know other men have set up. You know, pornography pornography yeah. can't exist without male cameramen, or you know, or all just the, the male. Entire... The whole enterprise is male. Yeah, exactly. women can't create pornography just on their own. Yeah, exactly. They just they don't. Like, the whole thing is is all men. Yeah, yeah. So men have exploited women considerably in a different way. Like the the flavor of exploitation has changed exactly from the past. Yeah, it's it's mass exploitation actually, because you know if you go back in time and you're saying, oh, you know. Even if you give credit to this claim that, let's say, in the past, men would just be abusive to their wives because, you know, the woman can't do anything. They're, they can't work for themselves, so they're stuck with them. You know, like this typical modern-day feminist narrative. Those same men that would have had those inclinations now can do it en masse due to the internet. Yeah. And not just talking about pornography, but also dating. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a big chunk of it. That's it. We're out of steam now. <laughs> We're out of steam. No, no, no. Honestly, discussing the last... Discussing hmm. our shorts is actually... <laughs> a great thing. Great topic idea. Just uh, just keep it flowing. It's like you once you get the snowball rolling, yeah. then it just builds on itself, yeah. literally. The thing is, we need people to give us their thoughts so we can you know, either validate them or deconstruct them <laughs> if needed. Yeah, <laughs> so, invalidate them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the whole nice guy thing. Nice guys, man. Nice guys are not nice at all. Yeah. No, another thing I wanted to add with the... So that point you brought up earlier was a... It's a great uh, phrase too, the flavors of exploitation. Did I just say that right now? Oh, yeah. The the, flavor of exploitation. The flavor of exploitation has changed. So exploitation used to be direct and explicit, like, you know, like making a woman do work for you and not being pleasant to her. But now the exploitation is subtle in the sense that you're sexually depriving her while being nice to her and allowing her to work 
Yeah. Giving her freedom and or then requiring giving requiring her to work. Giving her sexual and financial freedom, which is actually enslavement yeah. of both kinds. So your basically financial and sexual freedom are are freedoms for men, but they're uh, exploitations for women. Because if a woman has to work and a woman has to well, a woman shouldn't be just going out and having sex with random dudes, but if that's if that's the only way she can secure relationships for her, that is exploitation. So the dating market in and of itself is exploitation of women. Dating is female sexual exploitation and it's male cuckoldry. It's a combination of both because only cucks will exploit just like pornography. Cuckoldry and exploitation go hand in hand. Yeah, I mean the whole pimp, like the idea of a pimp is a cuck. Is a cuck, exactly. A pimp is a cuck. Yeah, so that's all of this kind of st stuff goes hand in hand. And now... What you have in modern red pill is you have the exploitation part of women being hidden to the benefit of the men and then those pimps and cucks being reframed as alphas. Well, they're actually very much similar to the blue pill betas that they're critiquing. Two sides of the same coin, you know. I was going to add something, but I lost it. I was listening to you too much. It's yeah. like you have a point in mind and then you start listening to the other person and then yeah. the point just goes... This is what happens for me. That's why you don't listen to me. Huh? You you keep your points. That's yeah. why you always Yeah, because I know I can listen to you when Later. I'm editing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm ignoring you. And I'm keeping the I'm not ignoring you. Yeah. I'm no, keeping the the thread in my head. So sometimes I'll close my eyes and focus on that thread. Yeah. So Yeah, another another thing you mentioned uh, in your podcast earlier was the idea of women in being or men being able to influence women yeah so i mentioned that men influencing their wives should be the easiest form of influence form easiest of influence. person to influence should be your wife but then i kind of backtracked and yeah i was like wait a sec no that's not true because everyone struggles with it <laughs> yeah it's it's easiest in in my eyes but uh, even in yours i wouldn't say it's easy it's an acquired skill yeah more no, I would say, what I would say is that the difficulty aligns with the motivation for me. Yeah, right? Exactly. There's no there's no motivation for me. And for most people, the, dif the difficulty does not, they're not as motivated. So yeah, I'm pretty motivated to influence my wife because... Yeah, who? and I think it comes down to in influencing women is, is one of the more difficult things for men. And if you look at it from a religious perspective, that's why men are given authority over women. Yeah. Because to hedge that uh, or to limit that difficulty. Because in order to incentivize men to, you know, have relations with women and continue the species, yeah. there needs to be some kind of divine command which facilitates the ease with which women are influenced to allow men to yeah. be, to it's manage also, them. It's also why men are physically, men can't be physically and influentially superior because then, you know, women would just be screwed. Then it would be too yeah, much. It would be too yeah. much of a balance. Exactly. Right, so. And then women, for women influencing men is much easier and that's why they're divinely limited with commands to be obedient and respectful. So, I mean, yeah, the, the point is, yeah, well, that's the point. It's not easy. That's why you got to buy the course. I'll teach you how to make it easy. No, I was, uh, you know what's funny? I went on Twitter uh, and I searched for, I think I searched for hashtag marriage. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I want to see like what the tweets are to respond to it. And there was this weird Twitter account, of a female run Twitter account that was all about getting married to a man and getting him to do everything for you. And it was like, oh damn, you're getting into the Twitter sphere now. No, no, it was just one account that okay. I saw and she had a link 
it was like kind of weird. It was like it was it was like a femdom type uh, mm, post. That yeah. is weird. Yes, I mean, there's like, a lot of men love being dominated. I mean, actually, that's a big culture right nowadays because it's like it's the beta to the extreme, right? Yeah, no, and that's that's why women should not be given access to uh, social media con- consumption, media consumption in general. Even for men, it's extremely harmful. Yeah. But men need to be able to withstand its consumption so they can create something of value. If they're just taken out of it, then who will manage it, right? Yeah. So if you limit your males and females, then who's going to influence the sphere? So you need to limit your women, but push your men into it and say, okay, this is your principles. These are your ideas. You know, go reflect on them, elaborate on them, and challenge the positions that are out there. But women, they won't challenge. So it's best to, yeah. until until you're comfortable with the media state out there, which is not going to happen anytime soon exactly. until that day comes where the media is amazing yeah yeah this is why men should not be allowed to make podcasts yep we should like uh, respond directly to that account with another short that would be hilarious yeah the thing is what it was the... a guy though yeah it was a the typical kind of guy with the photo and the yeah like hair. come on yeah it's like he was the profile pic of emasculation exactly i was just explaining that to my wife too. Yeah, yeah my wife was also confused like is that a guy I, yeah that was my first i thought he was like a kind of halfway yeah yeah my wife asked the same question well i mean he was mentally yeah. and physically i guess yeah he might have just not had the surgery yet yep you know for a podcast like this it's actually it's pretty hard to come up with organic talking points that also align with the podcast theme, you know, because we could talk about a lot of stuff and we do, but then it's like, you know, who wants to listen to that? But then our theme, the theme is dictated by what we say. Yeah, but is it? Yeah. Or do we want to? No, absolutely. We we decide we are Betamaxed. Yeah, but we can talk about Completely unrelated things. No, we can talk about at a more abstract level how software or even product quality is affected by emasculated behaviors because this is a great topic yeah the whole uh, obsession with metrics metrics over objective quality objective quality does not exist you are not capable of determining that you must and, rely on data and metrics yeah and it's it's even more than that and it causes the relationship dysfunction the same yeah. way no but the it, thing is they they don't want to make any changes that are not directly correlated to an, an, an increase in sales and so that there's a lot of changes that you cannot map to a direct increase in exactly sales. so you're just eliminating a big subset of quality differences that, and this is why they fail in marriage too because a lot of the things that you need to do are not directly observable data things. So they're like, oh, what do I need to do to attract women? Oh, I need to get rich. I need to get big muscles and I need to dress like a whatever. And I need to buy a nice car and I need to do this, you know? Yeah. So, and they don't rely, they don't have intuition. Yeah. They don't have any soft, any non-metric based uh, insights. You know what's funny? Even their, even their definition of the kind of man that, attracts women is based on that metric system because they call they call a, a good man a high value man as opposed to a high quality man exactly right? because value so, can be defined numerically yeah so quality, height height is a number income is a number age is a number that's what they go by they're not competent enough to go into that qualitative domain and then master it and that's what we're well that's hard to teach but you can through conversation get people to at least 
accept the validity of it and then on their own time improve on it. It's it's not so much that people aren't good at qualitative improvement and qualitative uh, methods. It's that they wholesale discount them as even being a valid method. Yeah. They completely deny them. And that's to their own detriment. And you see that in in product quality, you see that in in business services and you see it in relationships. And this is kind of what causes the downward spiral in in society at many levels. And it's unfortunate that we are plagued by this, not in our relationships, but in the in our consumer side. Like when, whenever I have to buy something, if I'm looking for anything quality, it's so difficult because all the online reviews are all metric based. Yeah. I don't care about number points and I don't care about data. Data for the most part is virtually useless. Data is only good uh, good if it's, well, data is rarely good. It's information that you want. You don't want data. Yeah, it's like on paper, you know, oh, Windows with an Intel processor and, uh, you know, it'll have all this high performance. What you don't know is that, oh, it'll just crash randomly. You know, Windows will update, all your drivers will stop working. Oh, your audio driver will just start crashing. You know, like all these things, these are the quality things that you don't, you can't tell based on just metrics alone. And you determine these based on, your intuition by using the thing or even yeah. observing it for a little while. You can make connections. This software, it has a few design inconsistencies and you don't have to think about it because human heuristics are very powerful and only people who either have some kind of malicious agenda who are trying to reduce their effectiveness heuristically or or it could be a function of just humans becoming so bad at their own heuristics that they think they're cognitive biases now. So maybe it's it's that whole machine learning thing that you mentioned yeah. that because people think that way now that when they do psychological testing on heuristics, their heuristics are actually bad and we're, our heuristics are good, but the, the overwhelming majority of people, their heuristics are so bad that they've now been coined as cognitive biases. In my life, my heuristics have served me, served me well. Whenever I rely on my own intuition, it turns out to be great. And usually most of society goes against me initially and says, hey, you're doing that. It probably won't work out. And then a couple months later, I'm like, it worked out. And then, uh, you know, two years down the line, someone also was like, oh, you know, you probably shouldn't do that. Two years later, it worked out. And then you see those same people. It's like, it didn't work out, did it? Yeah, I know. It's okay. You just suck. (laughs) No, and the problem with this is that uh, people like to, this, this ties into another aspect of the, the emasculated beta male is this whole one-upsmanship thing. So if you succeed at something, they they want you to fail in the sense that, oh, this person hasn't gotten to that point in life where the difficulty in that domain is at a threshold where it's challenging yet. And I've encountered this, and I've talked to you about this a lot, from the beginning. Like you, You go back to primary school and you have teachers and kids saying, oh, you don't know, primary school is really easy. Wait till you get to middle school. That's when it gets tough. And then you get to middle school and nothing changes. And then in middle school, there's all these guys talking about, oh, wait till you get to high school. The exams are so tough and it's, it's you know, you got to study so much. And then you get to high school and nothing changes. Well, not not nothing changes for, for me. Well, yeah, yeah I'm talking about my experience. Yeah. And then you yeah. go to university and it's like, oh, you got to study so much. And me with my minimal lazy ass work ethic, I just, you know, I pass everything with barely any effort. And it, it makes me reevaluate the value of university. Like, oh, this is a prestigious university, according to some people, I guess, you know. And it's like, oh, this is a joke. You know, yeah. a four-month term is like two weeks worth of material. Yeah. I don't know how people, like, the thing is people go into it 
it's almost university is almost like the equivalent of you know those martial artist teachers where they're yeah. doing those fake moves and yeah. everyone in the class everyone around them is like everyone is in on the fact that he's not doing a real move but they're all or maybe they're not like they've actually they've it's ridiculous they've they've warped their reality to actually be that his move is causing them to fall down you know when yeah the, yeah and so that's what university kind of feels like to me because when i went like it just felt like everything was like a joke like yeah. everything's half finished everything's half-assed everything's a joke like, there's the no real it's like the professor just was winging it the entire time like just yeah there's no real consequence yeah and i took taekwondo for eight months and that's the main reason i stopped was because of this that every time you they wanted to upgrade your belt or you wanted to like go to the next belt. Yeah. You had to memorize these basically choreographed dance patterns, which were like punches and kicks, but it had nothing to do with actual strength or ability. It was a memorization. It was just choreographed dance. And I was like, I don't want to do this shit. So I quit at like my first white or yellow belt. I was like, no, this is bullshit. It's yeah. not. Uh, and then, yeah. And then another thing that comes to mind is that movie, the guy from the social network, what's his name? Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. It was the fighting one. In that one at the end, like he, he goes and fights with that dojo guy and he just takes a gun out and shoots him in the head. So the the point of that is that in reality, like Taekwondo, yeah. any martial arts is like, it's useless no, if you have a gun. The thing is, martial arts is, is plagued by the same issue of value in the sense that you only have a belt when you perform these XYZ moves. There's no just qualitative, There's the, the real method should just be, oh, you spar with someone who's a higher level and they determine you know, oh, he's actually at the level. Yeah, you know? but that would require a suspension of this whole metric-based system and then no one can challenge it. And then it, it comes into uncomfortable patriarchy or whenever there's one person in charge qualitatively, people, these kind of people get very uncomfortable. Yeah. That's why the whole dynamic where how does the husband, like the husband is in charge of the wife, but how's it? how does he decide what's right and wrong? Like, where are the numbers? Where's the data? Like, no, he just knows everything. Yeah. So it's very, it's hard for these kind of people yeah. to accept qualitative uh, leadership in that sense, if that's even the right term. Yeah. That's why it's like, oh, how, why are you the leader? Did you get the most votes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, look, look what votes get you. They get you Donald Trump and they get you Obama and they get you, they get you clowns. Trudeau. Trudeau, Trump, Obama, Biden, all these people are clowns. They're all the same. Brain dead uh, puppets. Yeah, they're, just, they're not even puppets, man. Puppets are good. Puppets are like a creative thing. I don't want to, you know, puppets well, are- puppets like, are- are not the creative thing. The puppeteer is the creative one. Yeah, but I'm saying like the whole puppeting art form is what created. Yeah, it's like what created what like it, uh, yeah animation and all that. It like preceded all yeah, that. Yeah, so they're not puppets. They're just you'd be a puppeteer in another lifetime, like five thousand years ago. Maybe. Yeah. So that's uh no. I wanted to mention another point about that. The quality thing. What were you saying before I brought up the martial arts thing? The martial arts thing I was saying was that they should... Before that, you were saying, oh, university, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so my earlier point when I was saying how like every time you do the next thing, people are like, oh, then it gets difficult. Yeah. And then after university, I guess it's like marriage. marriage. And then with marriage, people are like, you know, marriage is going to be difficult. And this is where I really started observing this pattern consciously. Because once you're out of the academic prison, your brain fog clears up Yeah. more so than it... I wouldn't say I was completely fogged up, but but partially, yes, definitely. Yeah, I was pretty fogged up. Yeah. So when you when that clears up and then you go into marriage and then things start working out and then you start you notice how other people fail and then they say, Oh, it's because you don't have kids yet, and then you have a kid. Oh, it's because your kid is young. 
Then you have a second you, you kid. You know what's funny? I want to actually all... add on to the point of the kids thing. Yeah. It's actually this very beta mentality that I kind of, it kind of uh, got into me a little bit was that, you know, marriage at the start is going to be a lot better. And, you know, once you have kids and you won't have time for. No, it's the, better with yeah. kids. No, it's so it's actually easier with kids because women actually need kids. Women need kids. Yeah. You you a woman like what's a woman gonna do with you at home if you if she doesn't exactly. have kids, right? In hindsight, if I had my optimal setup for everything, what I would do is I would get married around eighteen and my wife would be as young as possible within whatever limits are acceptable. And uh <laughs> yeah, time to get cancelled. <laughs> yeah. No, you would you would have kids early. I would have kids right away. Yeah. And then maybe by 20, I'd have like four or five kids. And then... Now you live life. And then you live life. And then by the time you're like 25, 26, most of your kids are you grown up. You might even be able to have more kids then. You know, yeah. like have another batch. You might kids. have another, like a separate kind of group. Yeah. I mean, and then those kids can be raised by that first batch of kids. <laughs> exactly. That's how you do it. No, but society, yeah. society is incredibly regressed to the point where... I have to come up with an idea like this and it's not normalized, that's shocking. Yeah. Well, most people think of... Either society has regressed or I'm like next level. Progressed, yeah. yeah. I like to think I'm baseline. So if my intelligence and... If you think you're baseline, then... Yeah, I I do think I'm baseline because there's nothing... Well, baseline objectively, not relativistically. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because... not relative to the, the current level of... Men. Yeah, because also the reason I think I'm baseline is because my top level is a bit different than where I am. Yeah. So course. if I considered myself optimal, then, then there would be nothing up there. But yeah. there's so many layers above. Of course. So I have to consider myself. Right, and we're just getting started. Yeah, I'm definitely baseline. Yeah. That doesn't bode too well for people who are beneath us because then their perception of what metric you use to define that they're beneath us. Yeah. So yeah, that whole thing uh, of. Uh, every stage of your life being. And then I think that's what really led to this podcast was that, hey, you're continually bucking the trend. Maybe you need to set the trend. Mm. Yeah. Set it then. Let's well, just set the trend, guys. I don't, I, don't, trendsetters. I don't really care about... Misogyny is in fashion. Yeah. I don't really care about setting the trend. It's more about... There's two ways. You can either listen to things and you know comment about them privately they don't affect your life anyways. Or you can, instead of commenting about other people's positions, you can just make your position, you can put your position out there so they can challenge it. Exactly. And you're not trying to challenge them either. So if someone, like, I'm not going to respond to any of these comments. They're not respondable. Yeah. They're no, too low. No, they're, you can definitely create a respondable comment. Yeah, you can, yeah, but it's not like, worth the effort. Yeah, like yeah. We, we, we received one comment that was respondable and we, and we did it justice. Which one was that? Mr. P. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I meant uh, comments on the socials. Yeah, no, but I'm saying you could even like potentially, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm too hopeful, but get, get a comment like that on yeah. the social. No, I like to keep uh, them past a certain uh, intellectual threshold. Yeah, of course. Just to make engagement a pre-filter. So you know how most channels will filter based on money? The super chat method. Yeah. We, we filter based, based on, on quality. quality. Well, they filter based on money. In to get money. Well, also, to so they don't time. have to read everything. Like, there's so much, right? Yeah, but that's their excuse. They just yeah. want more money. So yeah, they, of course. They didn't want to read all of them. They could just say, we're not going to read more than 10. Yeah. I mean, it's acceptable. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, then people would be like, 
Yeah, it would be fine. Then people will be like, oh, I'll pay you. And exactly. That is what it... Because everyone... Like people have day, more money than time. Yeah, of course. That's so. everyone. Everyone has more money than time. Not everyone could use more time, though, actually. Most people dread having too much time. Yeah. That's a... This is a, a side point, too. The, the idea that plagues most people, or not the idea, but the the way people talk about it. They're like, oh, I'm busy. Busy doing what? Oh, I've been busy this week, man. I've been really busy this week. You know, I've been crushing it. Like, Well, usually they mean they're busy with work. Like, No, a lot of people, though, outside of work, what about the remaining eight, eight hours of your life? Yeah. Busy doing what? Changing diapers? Yeah, man. I mean, there's so much... Busy with managing there's, their mental... There's a lot of menial tasks that people just do. There's a lot of people... People are very effective at wasting time. Mm. They've mastered the art while perceiving themselves as being busy. Busy, but just, that that works because then you, well, in the sense that you waste your time and you think you're doing something good. So then you're not never gonna seek. It's not a problem for you, so you're never gonna try to solve that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's the goal for most people to be to be lost in time and space. <laughs> <laughs>